All right, well, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest. And man, we just, like I said before, we had an awesome set of services this morning. People's lives were impacted greatly by the Lord. And uh, he just preached at the AKYC, which is the youth convention that happens every year in Alaska. And um, if you don't know his father, it's Tiff Shuttlesworth. Anybody know who Tiff Shuttlesworth is? Great man of God that comes through here and saves souls everywhere he goes. And um, let's just give him a warm welcome, Mr. Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Thank you so much. Give Jesus a big hand clap again all over this place for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I got to say, I enjoyed my first trip ever to Alaska, and uh, I think if Pastor Chris was ever going to ask for a raise, now would be a good time. That was awesome. Wasn't that great with the kids? Give the kids one more hand clap. They did a great job. I saw that. My wife was watching that show. I'll blame her. Uh, pageant moms. That was way better than any of those pageants, that's for sure. And I'll tell you, I've enjoyed on this last day that I'll be with you. I fly out tonight, and I'll be with uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown at his minister's conference starting tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'll tell him you said hi. I'll tell him the people from Wasilla said hi, and no one else, because no one else did. I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing them. My wife and daughter are already waiting there. But I've got to tell you, it's been so refreshing to be at this church on my final day because, uh, first of all, some churches have class. Other churches can't spell class. And you are in a church that has class. And I, I really, I mean, very loving people and welcoming. And there's some places I go and I'm the speaker. I thought, like, hasn't anybody looked at the materials of who's coming? I'll walk in and everyone just stares at me in the lobby. I feel like I walked into to, uh, someplace I don't belong. It feels like crossing from East Germany into West Germany. But, uh. You guys have been so friendly and kind, and then your pastor, I've never met your pastor, I will in the future, but your pastor's wife is one nice lady to hang around with, and uh, I hope you appreciate her. I wouldn't say most, but there's many, many minister's wives that are severely sad people. You know, the, the minister's anointed, and then he introduces you to his wife, and it's like Mopey the Clown. Hello, nice to meet you. Ministry's been very difficult, but... Uh, your, your pastor's wife is just awesome to be with, full of joy. I, uh, I honestly, I think today was the first afternoon I have gone out to eat on a Sunday afternoon. And I don't know how long. I normally just, because we have the service at night, I'll just go back and rest and get ready. But when she invited me, I was just getting ready to say, no, I'm just going to go rest. And I thought, hey, you know, why not? Then uh, Austin Jones and his wife were here. They came out with us. And we had a great time. And then I went over to Hatcher Pass. And, uh, man, there's nothing like that in the lower 48 that I've seen. That was awesome. And uh, I trespassed around there a little bit and uh, took some pictures. And I really enjoy I've never done anything like that on a Sunday afternoon. I usually go right back to the hotel, but I figure, why not switch it up? You know, you go right back to the hotel in Anchorage, it's like being in the witness protection program, just <laughs> walled up in there. I figured I'd stay up here in Wasilla. It's at least 20 times more beautiful up here than it is in Anchorage, in my opinion. I've really enjoyed being with you. I think you picked a good spot to be at. Of course, it's probably not wise me. You know, now I wonder, gee, why aren't I getting any, any invitations to Anchorage? They're all watching online, shaking their fists. I, uh, 
But I mean it. I mean, it's, it's hands down gorgeous up here. And then you're close enough if you need to run in there to go to Nordstrom and buy a gift for somebody you love or uh, go to Target and buy a gift for someone that you don't really love. That, <laughs> go to, actually, there's a Target here. You guys picked a great spot. So I've enjoyed being here. And I'm so happy with what God did this morning, let alone at the youth camp. I was telling uh, in one of the services how there was a kid with a blind eye that had been blind for three years and it opened up during the meeting. Another girl that hadn't walked without arm crutches, she had had an accident, threw her crutches up at the altar and ran around. And, uh, oh, yeah, I remember the other thing I was going to compliment you on. You're the guy from Louisiana that took the offering this morning. That's the best receiving of an offering I've heard in all my, my travels, definitely this year, if not in two years. You did phenomenal. To know that was on short notice, that was great. Faith-filled, no apologies. This is a great church. And uh, you have picked a great place. Don't leave. You know, if anything makes you try to leave this church, it's of the devil. Because I haven't been to any of the other churches, but uh, driving by, they just did nothing to make me want to go there instead of here. So I think you picked the right place. Can you say amen? You, you can see God's growing this place and to three services now and uh, expanding. You know, King's Chapel and King's Cathedral, they don't do anything but win. So you've hooked on to a winner. They always expand. Uh, you do things right. It's like you do things an old school way in the midst of the assemblies of God. You do your own thing, and you do it scripturally and right, and God blesses it. And I believe your best days aren't behind you. Your best days are yet to come. Can you say amen? Go ahead and clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. I want you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark, the fourth chapter. Welcome, everybody that's watching online up late on the East Coast, going on 11 o'clock. Drink something caffeinated and stay up with us. We're glad you're watching. Canada, lower 48. We're glad for everybody that's here. I want to preach this tonight before we lay hands on whoever God leads us to lay hands on, however we end up closing the service. This is one of the most important things you could ever understand out of the Word of God. We announced tonight is a miracle service. And miracles are very easy. They're not supposed to be something you have once in the 80s, once in the early 2000s, and then maybe one more time before you go to heaven. Supernatural is supposed to be the natural lifestyle of every believer. The Bible says these signs follow will follow them that believe, not apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors. Everybody who believes, then it listen, they'll cast out devils in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The supernatural, uh, the way I grew up in church, it, it, they didn't teach it like that. They taught it that it was something you had to just, you know, pray till there was blood squirting out of your forehead. Oh, God, we ask you. They didn't know. So they made it like it was this difficult thing, and it put everybody in the mindset of that if you need God to do the supernatural, it was like God was spinning lottery balls up in heaven, picking five people he was going to heal every year, and hopefully you'd be one of them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, I don't have time to get into all of it. But it's very simple. Call unto me, and I will, not I might, I will answer you. People don't experience that much in the American church for a number of reasons, but I would say that chief most, is what the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
So if you settle into a religious mindset that's opposite of what the Bible teaches and you work in a mode that's different from what the Bible teaches, you won't have the same result. You can't, you know, there's a way to get money out of an ATM machine. It's your money. You can have $3 million uh, in a bank account, which wouldn't be wise because it's only insured to 250000 But for the purposes of this illustration, you could have $3 million in a bank account. But if you don't know how to access what's yours, it wouldn't do you any good. You, know, you, can, you can stand in front of an ATM machine and cry, but no money will come out. You can stand in front of an ATM machine and shout at it and command it to come out, and it won't come out. But then there's a simple set of instructions that you can follow where the screen prompts you, and in moments, you can access what's yours. You know, the Bible teaches you how to access what's yours. All believers have the same inheritance. The Bible says we have an inher a precious inheritance. Everybody has access to the same thing. But Christians live at such different levels because they don't know how to access what's theirs. I mentioned it in one of the morning services, Acts 19. Peter traveling through Ephesus found several believers and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? They replied, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then anything you don't have taught and preached to you, you will never know how to access it. But the great thing about a meeting like this is it doesn't take long. In one service, you can hear what the Bible says about how to have what's yours and leave in 60 minutes having something, not believing for something, having something in your possession that you didn't come here with, and I believe that's going to be your story tonight. If you believe that, can you shout amen? amen. Mark chapter 4, this is when very familiar when Jesus is crossing to the other side of the lake. Mark 4, 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Another translation says, we are going to the other side. He was already in the boat, so they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Isn't that great that Jesus had a boat? People say, Jesus never had a Cadillac. Very good. Neither did anyone else during that time. But Jesus had boats, and boats are still... Boats that can carry 12 men are still more expensive than Cadillacs. Jesus did not struggle on, on the earth. Jesus traveled with men and women, and he never struggled to pay their expenses. So see that Jesus was prosperous. You know, everybody takes that one scripture. They, poor people love it. Even the Son of Man doesn't have a rock to lay his head. True. Jesus didn't have his own home. And if you don't have vehicles or planes and you're going to travel full-time for three and a half years and walk everywhere, it doesn't make sense to walk two days' journey to go preach and then finish and walk two days back to head back out in another direction. But every place you see Jesus staying, the Bible says, the crowd came in to hear what he had to stay. So it wasn't staying at an outdoor access motel where they sell meth in the back. Jesus was well taken care of by his father. Then the Bible says here that when they went to the boat, Jesus said, let's go to the boat. Well, so they had boats. Another place he said, get the boats ready. They had boats and transportation. And, uh, you know, what do you think? Jesus was stealing boats? He wasn't. He didn't say, listen, I'm going to distract them with a blind eye miracle, and then when everybody's praising God, connect the red wire with the yellow wire, and we'll make a quick getaway. 
So you have to see right up front what I preached on in three services this morning, that it's not God's will for his children to struggle. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, which in the original Aramaic means, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Can you say amen? You know, I, I, a lot of Christians can't get past that. They expect a life of struggle. Jesus didn't struggle. Jesus never tried anything. Jesus only triumphed. And the Bible says, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. You're not ordained to struggle on earth. You're ordained to walk in victory in Jesus' name. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side. He was already in the boat. So they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed soon. 37, but soon... A fierce storm. Everybody say fierce storm. I had a friend of mine that was a rabbi in northern New Jersey. And uh, he gave me a Bible that was an exact transliteration of the Gospels from the original Aramaic into English. And, you know, if you get a Bible like that, it's like if anybody's here that speaks Spanish, you can't word for word translate from one language into the other. It wouldn't sound right because they're, they're written differently. But this one did exactly that. It translated it word for word. So you couldn't preach out of it because the sentences were all out of order. But what it did is it showed you exact words that were in the Bible. And this one it might be the only one I remembered, uh, come to think of it. But offhand, I remember reading this story in that Aramaic Bible that was transliterated. And it said, a demonically inspired megastorm rose up. So it's no accident that Jesus said, we are going to the other side. As they push off, a storm raises up. So, I mean, where do you see? Anywhere in the Bible. Show me anybody that went to their promised land uncontested. There's giants, there's obstacles, there's things of the enemy in the path of every person who's going somewhere God told them to go. But just because a storm comes up doesn't mean you have to let the storm defeat you, nor does it mean that you have to wallow in it for three years or 13 years. You can do exactly what Jesus did, and when Jesus said, we're going to the other side, you can go to the other side. If you believe it, clap your hands one more time. Let God know you believe that today can you shout hallelujah so a storm raises up demonically inspired a fierce storm high waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water and it must have been a fierce storm because as we're going to read the disciples are panicking and they were had fishermen among them seasoned fishermen so it's not like you know if you brought me out on one of the uh, uh, bodies of water here in Alaska and I've never been you know, there could be some uh, big waves, and I, I could get afraid, and you would say, calm down. This is nothing. This is actually a pretty mild day. You know, you have other churches in this network that are in Maui, and uh, I have two churches in Maui myself. There's a place called Hamoa Beach, and uh, Hamoa Beach has massive waves, one after another. And it, I, one thing I like to do for fun when I go to Maui is just sit and watch tourists try to go into the water. I saw, I saw one and just get rolled up like they got blindsided by a defensive lineman. I just can watch, just watch that all day and eat chips. Amen. I remember I saw one lady. She had a headband on, big hoop earrings, and I'm trying to think. She had one other article that was like, what are you doing? These waves, they're not East Coast waves. They are powerful waves. She comes trotting into the water. I thought, boy, this is going to be fun. 
I, I, even whoever I was with, I tapped them and said, hey, watch this real quick. She goes trotting in, and man, that first wave hit her. It looked like somebody getting nailed from the, from the off tackle, you know, looking downfield, not paying attention, just destroyed. She came up out of the water, no earrings, no headband. Oh, sunglasses were the other thing. Everything gone. And this look on her face like this and barely made it to shore. I remember another time I watched a honeymooning couple uh, go in hand in hand into the water. I know what God's joined together. Let no man tear apart. But there's going to be a wave that's going to tear you two apart quick. You're either going to let go or a shoulder's going to get separated. I watched them sure enough. They kept trying to get, get, get in and kept getting nailed. And then the funny thing is you can see big adults try to get into the waves and keep getting rolled back to shore. Then a little six-year-old Hawaiian boy will come to that same, same waves. I heard one of them tell an adult. They said, man, these waves are huge. And the, the little kid said, actually, it's a pretty mild day. Everybody say this with me. Perspective matters. So... They thought it was big, and they didn't know how to do it. The little boy knew that it wasn't that big, and he knew what he was doing. So you have bigger, stronger adults that can't get in. Then you'll have a six-year-old that weighs, I don't know, 80 pounds, 70 pounds, 60 pounds. Just come, and they know. You'll see the big adult when the wave comes. They'll either do one or two things. Stand up, and I don't care how strong you are, or how much you bend your knee and lower your shoulder, you are not physically stronger than the wave. And they find that out. Or the other thing they'll do when they see it coming, they'll turn their back and run. But then they find out they are also not faster than the wave. Then the little kid runs up. And when that same huge wave that makes the other man cower and turn back, what does the little kid do? Go right in, low. Dive right through, unhindered. You know, that is a type of how the wisdom of the Word of God. Now, you can have the two come back and listen to both of them. And you would think they're talking about two different beaches. The one man would say, I've never seen waves like that. In fact, we're not going back the rest of our honeymoon because we were hurt. I think my wife has a concussion. And, uh, you know, that, that, that ocean really isn't swimmable. Then you could interview the boy about the same body of water. And the boy would say, it was a mild day. Waves weren't that great. We had a good time swimming. And he said, well, were you swimming the same place as him? Yeah. You didn't get a concussion? Concussion. No, it was actually pretty boring. You know, I, I would have stayed in the water longer, but, but the waves weren't that great. You say, are you two talking about the same body of water? You know, that's how it is with Christians in life. You can meet one who tells you how hard life is how difficult the economy is, how in this day and age, you know, cancer rate has gone from one in seven to one in five to one in three. Everything's getting worse. People are spiritually cold in Alaska. It's not getting worse. I even thought when I was eating lunch with your pastor's wife, my mind got jogged on how every minister that I've ever gone out to eat with, which is one of the reasons I quit going out to eat uh, at lunch, I don't want people's depression to wear off on me. Can you say amen? I can get depressed on my own. I don't need somebody to help me. Amen. No, I want to stay joy with joy because the joy of the Lord's your strength. Do you know anybody with a small church that I've ever gone out to eat with, do you know what they tell me about their community? The drug problem, how spiritually cold it is. You go preach in Arizona in a small church. The pastor says, 
the spiritual climate here in Phoenix is as dry as the desert. You go preach in New England, the spiritual climate here is as cold as the weather. You go to Florida, you know, there's a church on every corner, and that's what makes it tough. They always discuss difficulty. But anytime you go to a, somebody that has a successful church and ministry, like your pastor's wife, she never said one thing about the problems in this town. I never heard one negative thing about Wasilla, about Alaska. I heard how great it is. I heard how good the food is. Because you have to let faith get your eyes off of the storm and onto the fact that if God said, I'm going to the other side, I'm not going to discuss what's against me. If God is with me, I'm going through just like he said. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We're going to the other side. And the kid, the kid that can cut the waves is not stronger than the men. He's wiser than the men. Wisdom is the principal thing. And in all thy getting, get understanding. Well, I believe wisdom comes with age. Do you? I was leaving a hotel one time to go preach a couple months back, and there was a 62-year-old, because I asked him his age, because I knew I was going to use it for an illustration. <laughs> so when he was walking, I said, how old are you? Oh, I'm 62. I said, thank you. He was carrying two 36-packs of beer on his way up to his hotel room. You know what that showed me? Wisdom doesn't come with age. Because if wisdom came with age, every person 60 and older on this planet would be a born-again Holy Ghost-filled Christian who fasted and prayed and went after God. But they're not. And then you can have a 12-year-old like Jesus who sat in the temple and confounded the religious leaders with his wisdom where they said, where does he get such wisdom? Wisdom comes from the Spirit of God and wisdom for victorious living. Listen, you've got to get away from the American mentality that you know, you learn in the school of hard knocks. People have it as their Facebook profile. What school did you go? I went to the school of hard knocks. There's some things you can only learn by going through it. That is nonsense. God does not lead you. Listen, do the people have to learn the waves in Hawaii by getting knocked around in concussions? They could ask the five-year-old to show them what to do. And if they listened to him, they would never get rolled by one wave. That's how it is in life. The devil wants you to think you have to let him slap you around and take from you and steal and kill and destroy. But the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God can show you the way out and the way to the top in a meeting just like this. If you believe it, can you shout hallelujah? hallelujah. You don't have to get beat around in life. You don't have to have one down day. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. He does not order them into defeat. Why did he lead the Israelites such a long way to the promised land? He said, I'm leading them away from battle. Lest they see the battle and turn back. They weren't ready to fight. God will never let you Go through something that you aren't anointed to beat. So anybody that gives you a theology, like it's God's will to have one good month, then three months of the devil kicking your tail in, that's not God. 
His ways are, his, all thy paths are paths of peace. Thy paths are paths of righteousness. You don't find anybody in the Bible that God called that they were already a king. They were already rich. God said, follow me, and he drove them down to the bottom. You find the exact opposite. You find men like Abraham still living in their father's home. People like David, lowest in their family, Gideon, that God said, if you'll come with me, I will show you the way to the top. And our God hasn't changed. What he's done for them, he'll do for you. And he'll do it tonight when you call on his name. If you believe it, take 15 seconds and clap one more time unto the most high God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, you sound good. Give God a mighty praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you shout amen? amen? But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. That's what faith does. Faith rests. Daniel wasn't pacing the lions then. What was Daniel doing in the lions then? Not everybody at once, but anyone that had a picture Bible. What was he doing? He was sleeping. He was asleep in the lions then. Jesus was asleep in the boat. What was Peter doing in prison the night before he was going to get executed? Sleeping. Who sleeps the night before they're going to get executed? Fortunately, I better get some rest. I'm getting my head chopped off in the morning. I don't want to have any wrinkles or unsightly lines. Everybody say this with me. Faith rests. Anytime you see people getting worked up to the degree of the storm they're in, they don't have faith. Faith has accompanying manifestations with it. One is joy. One is peace. Faith rests. Can you say amen? amen. God is going to give that to you tonight. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Because there's a fake religiousness that disguises itself as faith. You know, we need to get everybody praying. They're going to legalize gay marriage. Well, you getting all worked up isn't going to stop gay marriage from getting legalized. You pray with confidence. You don't pray like you need to get your blood pressure up to a certain point before God will listen to you. Can you say amen? Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Finally, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Now, if Jesus said we're going to the other side, what fool would say we're going to drown? How many things did Jesus have to do with 100% accuracy? You know, if it wouldn't have creeped Jesus out, I'd have been asleep right with him. If he wanted some space, I'd have given him some, some space. But you can't defeat a storm. And if it was too much for what you knew how to do, you worrying about it wasn't going to do anything. You can rest in the Word of God. Master, carest thou not that we perish? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, quiet down. I mentioned this in one of the services this morning. You must get in your spirit, if you're going to live a life of victory, how Jesus dealt with a storm. For all the religious teaching about what Jesus did with the storm, this is the only thing in the Bible that shows us how Christ handled something that conflicted what he said he was going to do. He didn't pray to God about the storm. He did not anchor them in the storm. 
And I didn't anchor them in the storm, correct? Correct? Then why could I go to about any Pentecostal church with people that have been going to church for 30 years and say, how many of you know Jesus is our anchor in the storm? And they'd all lift their hand and shout amen. If you have a mentality that Jesus is your anchor in the storm, it will keep you in the storm. You'll believe that Jesus, that his purpose is to just stand with you and be there for you. And that's why most Christians don't see miracles. They feel like the role of Christ is to just be with them as they go and get their head kicked in by the devil. But Jesus was not an anchor in the storm. Jesus was also not the other thing you can get a bunch of amens on. How many of you believe he'll be our comfort in the storm? He wasn't a comfort in the storm. In fact, you're going to find the only thing he did to the disciples in the storm was rebuke them for their unbelief. What unbelief? The fact that he said for all of them to hear, we're going to the other side, and they said, we are going to die. Don't you care? Jesus hates unbelief. It's offensive to him. Jesus never coddled unbelief. Jesus rebuked unbelief. Because unbelief short circuits what God wants to do in your life. That's why tonight as we preach the Bible, every residue of unbelief left in your spirit is burnt out tonight by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And you're leaving with great faith in Jesus' name. Carest thou not that we perish? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind. And then he got in a rebuking mood because he did the hat trick. Rebuke the wind, rebuke the water. So what did Jesus do? He didn't anchor them in the storm. He didn't comfort them in the storm. That's what modern religion would do. It'd have you believe Jesus woke up and said, oh, I see you guys are scared. Come here. Let Jesus give you a big hug. Everything's going to be all right, Peter. We're going to make it. If we stick together, we're going to get through this storm. No, there's a verse in the Bible that I don't know I ever had it for a memory verse. It says, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said, Quit ye like men and fight. Paul said, Fight the good fight of faith. Faith is not chilling out and hoping things work out. Faith is taking what God said and saying, you foul devil, if you think you can stop me, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And if Jesus said, I'm going to the other side, then baby, I'm going to the other side in Jesus' name. He didn't anchor them. He didn't comfort them. And he didn't ask God to do anything about it. You don't speak to God about your storm. You speak to the storm. That's how Jesus turned what the enemy meant to destroy them into something that lasted no longer than a handful of hours. Not days, not weeks. How come Christians battle the same thing for years and years and years? Because most of them, if they do anything spiritual, they ask people to keep them in prayer. And most churches, I'm sure they don't do it here because you have good doctrine. They'll say, be with Sister Bertha as she's going into surgery. Be with Ethel as she's going through this rough time. Be with Mike as he's having family problems. Jesus did not do what he did on the cross in shedding his blood. 
and being raised from the dead. He did not do that to comfort you through the storms of life. And he didn't do it so you could beg God to do something about it. He said, you can say to the mountain, God will not speak to your mountain for you. Just like Jesus, you don't talk to God about the problem. You identify the problem. Call it by name and say drug addiction, cancer, deafness, hardness of hearing, blindness, glaucoma. I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ to cease and desist and come out today. And just like with Jesus, it obeys your command. If you believe it one more time, clap your hands and shout unto the most high God. Come on, let out a good shout in here. It's scriptural. Can you shout hallelujah? We're going to the other side. He rebuked the thing that was hindering them. And immediately, everybody say immediately. All through youth group growing up, they said the same thing all the time. This fast food generation, they want everything now. Well, I read my Bible and found out God doesn't have a problem with that. Things that he died for and shed his blood 2,000 years ago so I can have. He doesn't want me to wait one more day. The word immediately is used 38 times in the Bible. 34 are in the life and ministry of Jesus. And immediately the man saw. Where did Jesus ever rebuke anybody for wanting something now? Sir, that I would what do you want me to do for you? Sir, I want to receive my sight. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> what else would you like me to do for you? Now, that's not something I can do today. I told uh, one of the day services, and I want you to get this in your spirit and never forget it. Jesus, the Bible says, God said in the Old Testament, if your neighbor asks you for help, and it is in your power to help them, don't tell them to come back when. Help them when. Is God a hypocrite? Would he tell us to do something and follow a different line of action? Is there anything that it's not in his power to do today? It, that's weak. For a full gospel church, is there anything too powerful for God to do today? I don't know. Not sure. That's why i got to keep preaching. Ideally, we'd only preach 15 minutes, but you see only 10% of the crowd believes with verbal response that there's nothing too hard for God. And I'm telling you, that's not an exaggeration. We'll show videos of people getting... All kinds of miracles, and then have somebody come up later. Can God heal diabetes? No, that's where he draws the line. He can part the Red Sea, bring the dead back to life, but regulating insulin, uh-uh. The Bible says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is a resounding no. Our God is the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, parter of the Red Sea, opener of blind eyes, unstopper of deaf ears. And he said, I am the Lord God, and I change not. If you believe it tonight, one more time, clap those hands, shout unto the almighty God. Come on, make some noise in Alaska. Let the devil know that you know he's defeated and that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. And immediately, everybody say immediately. So not having an expectation for God to move now will drag it and make it a long time thing. What you expect 
you're empowered to experience. What you don't believe, you'll never have. Jesus said, as your faith is, so be it unto you. So if some little religious devil, if some little devil operating outside of religion convinced you this is your cross to bear for 30 years, whatever you came here, that's why I love night meetings. Nobody came here by accident. Everybody made an effort to be here. And we announced ahead of time it was a miracle service. So I believe in most people, there's something in your heart that the devil's had a storm come up. You know it doesn't belong in your life. And you have in your heart the ability to say enough is enough. I'm not going through this anymore. If Jesus had power to rebuke wind and waves and he said, Behold, I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil that I don't see why well, I should have to leave here. The way I came in, I believe what God did then, he'll do now for me when I call on his name. When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, this is what it says in this translation, quiet down. In the original Aramaic, it's the strongest Aramaic shut up that there is. Jesus was not an effeminate Englishman like they portrayed him in the movies. Quiet down. He said, shut up. And the Bible says immediately, actually the same word it uses to show how strong the storm is, it shows to say how mega the, a mega storm arose. Then it says, and when he spoke immediately, a mega calm came upon the water. Not it got gradually better. It got better to the point that those experienced men that said, we've never seen a storm like this, now had to say, we've never seen it calm like this. Looks like a skating rink. You can look at it like a mirror. And the Bible says, now you think how powerful this was. Because after all that Jesus did, and he did plenty of things, the Bible says this caused them to marvel all over again. And they said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Then what did he do? And he asked, verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with great awe and said amongst themselves, Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Skip over to verse 21 of chapter 5. Just a few paragraphs down. Mark 5, 21. When Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She's about to die, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. Now, I'm going to tell you this, just on a side note. There's people, see, what deadens people's expectancy for real miracles is people take stories like Jairus' daughter, and then she's, She's dead, and Jesus said she's only asleep and raised her up again. And then when they preach it, they'll preach things like, I'm going to preach a message tonight entitled, The Dream's Not Dead, It's Only Asleep. But that's not what that text is. That was a physically dead girl. And it irritates when people preach that because it takes the power out of the Bible. We're not motivational speakers, and the Bible is not motivational text. The Word of God is the power of God in print. It empowers sick bodies to be well. It takes a mind that's oppressed with suicidal thoughts and fills it with joy. 
And it takes people that are bound by heroin, destroys that work of the devil, and sets them free. I want you to know tonight, you're not leaving here with an encouraging word or feeling like you're going to make it. You shall be filled with living power by the Holy Ghost to do what God's called you to do. Can you shout hallelujah? I told a story at youth convention. How there would, see, this will show you, if you take the Bible literally, how it will change your life. There was a man named Bensonita Hosa that I mentioned this morning who changed Nigeria in one lifetime. The London School of Economics, who's not a Christian organization, they statistically said that no man more impacted his generation than Bensonita Hosa. How did it start? He was a teenager, 15 years old, sitting in an Anglican church, and the minister spoke out of Matthew 10 and read where Jesus said to the disciples, when you go, cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. Everybody say, raise the dead. Raise the dead. Hallelujah. I can feel the Holy Spirit taking me in a different direction. So just everybody say this. Long plagues, Long plagues. are not from God. Jesus took care of that storm like this. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 59, it underlines plagues of long continuance as part of the curse. That means anything that persists day after day in your life, kidney problems, blood problems, there is nothing that God has ordained for you to have to go through for a week, let alone a year, five years, 11 years. Jesus always attacked problems where people had been that way a long time. John chapter 5, there was a crippled man at the gate of Bethesda who had been crippled for 38 years and had never walked. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been that way, he didn't wait for One of the few times Jesus came to the person. Why? Because he knew Jesus was there since the beginning. He was not meant to be like this. God created those legs to walk. Not for him to sit and wait to be healed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been that way, he said to himself, Sir, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, for I have nobody to help me into the pool when the water stirred. Jesus said, Stand up. Take up your mat and walk. And immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. Strength came into his legs and he stood up and walked. Then the Bible says in Luke 13, when Jesus came to the synagogue, there was a woman who had been bent double. Now, if you haven't been overseas, you haven't seen people like this that have spine conditions and injuries in their bones where they're hunched over double. The Bible says when Jesus saw a woman like that in the synagogue, she had been that way for 18 years. When Jesus saw her again, he didn't say, he didn't preach. He just went over and touched her. And the Bible says when he touched her, she stood up straight. And listen, the leader of the synagogue said, there's six days of the week. See, religion hates miracles. Religion hates real power. The Bible says, listen to this, 2 Timothy 3, 5. In the last days, Timothy, this will be a sign that you're in the last days. They will have a form of godliness, but reject the power 
that would make them godly. That's what we have in America. That's, that's where sermons like that come out of. Have somebody tap your neighbor and say the dream's not dead. Jesus did not put that in the Bible for us to say the dream's not dead. Jesus put that in the Bible so you would know that as a believer, you have power over death. And if death is the strongest force of sin, then how much more do you have power over cancer, over blindness, over deafness? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, quickens your mortal body. It is real living power. Power. Everybody shout power. power. Don't turn it into encouragement. The word of God is not encouragement. It is empowerment. There is a difference between being encouraged and being empowered. If I have to fight John Bones Jones in a UFC match, there's a big difference between someone saying to me, I wish you all the best. I think you can do it. I'm still going to get knocked out. But there's a difference between being empowered to destroy the storms of life. And I want every man and woman in the sound of my voice, before I leave Alaska, watching in Canada, and the lower 48, and Maui, I want you to know God did not give us the Holy Ghost to only encourage us and only comfort us. He gave him to us. He didn't say you shall receive encouragement, though he is an encouragement. He didn't say you'll receive a, a soft hand on your shoulder and an encouraging word. You shall receive after that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. When you receive a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost tonight, it's to give you physical power, mental power, real power to defeat the storms of life. Absolutely. One more time, shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Remanda rikisto bobraka. Aganda roposta. Iganda rikoste ma. Do you know why I'm not up preaching tonight, telling you my testimony of how I have a speech impediment and preaching through my speech impediment? Because I didn't buy into that doctrine. Well, I guess God called me to preach with a speech impediment so people can hear that even when you have a problem, you can push through. When that angel called me to preach and I had eight sounds in the alphabet that I couldn't say right, those sounds were that I couldn't say right, God took my weakness and turned it into strength. So that now, the biggest complaint I get is that we can't understand you or we have trouble understanding you when you speak. Now the complaint I get is you talk too fast and we can't catch. Everybody say this, tonight, where I am weak, God will turn it into overwhelming strength. Hallelujah. That's why I love it. That's what God does. Listen. That girl that had the arm crutches at the youth camp, she didn't throw them away and take some steps. She threw them away and began to dance furiously. God took what she couldn't do and made it her strength. I tell you tonight, you are not leaving like you came. Jesus is going to do a miracle for you. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Resurrection power. Bensonita Hosa sitting to that, in that church, hearing that man read Matthew 10, where Jesus said to the disciples, when you go, cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. Ida Hosa said, after he said that, 
I didn't hear anything in the rest of the sermon that just stuck with me that Jesus told us to raise the dead. He said, I waited after for the pastor. And I said, did Jesus say that I can raise the dead? The pastor said, yes. He asked the pastor, have you ever done it? The pastor said, no. He said, but I can do it? The pastor said, yes. That was all I needed to hear. He had his license for operation. 15 years old the next day, he gets on his 12-speed, pedals through the streets of Benin City, Nigeria, going door to door asking, has anybody died here today? And it took him from 9 in the morning till 2.30 in the afternoon to find a family where he heard mourning outside, them crying hysterically. And him said, did somebody die here today? They said, yes, our three-year-old daughter in Wada died. These are real stories because in Wada was the cook at their Bible school. And I have a friend that went to the Bible school and she was his cook. Lived till she was up into her 70s. Three years old, she's lying there dead. And Itahosa got excited. He did what Jesus did. He said, I need all of you to leave the room. There were less than 400 churches in all of Nigeria at this point. Muslim and animistic. We worship trees and all that. Pagan religion. Itahosa comes in, prays for the girl. He said, she died more. He said, I actually looked if there was a back door in the house to see if I could leave because she didn't get any better. But he said, I read the Bible to see what Jesus did and noticed that he didn't pray. He spoke to the, he spoke to the girl. And he said, damsel, arise. And he was so ignorant, Itahosa, 15 years old, not knowing the Bible, that he thought the girl's name was damsel. So he went out and asked the parents. The one that Jesus raised up, her name was damsel. What is... What is your daughter's name? They said, Inwada. So he went back in and just like Jesus, he said, Inwada, sit up. And she sneezed seven times and sat up. And he gave the girl back to their parents. And actually, his future wife, who's still alive now, running the ministry named Margaret, was the sister. I guess she figured when she saw him do that, you're probably not going to do much better than him. Can you say Amen. Dr. Itahosa went the next day and uh, went door to door again. I think it took him two more days to find another dead body. This time it was a teenage boy. And Itahosa raised that kid up from the dead. Then because there was no gotprint.com, no Vista print, he handmade with his friends thousands of flyers and had them distributed all through Benin City, Nigeria and announced there's going to be a crusade. Bring the dead, bring the blind, bring the deaf, bring the... I mean, after you raise the dead, what's blind? Dead people are blind. You never see a corpse blinking. If you do, help them out and get them out of there. Amen. What's deafness? What's crippleness? Dead people are crippled, blind, deaf. They don't have blood pressure problems. They don't have any blood. Their organs are all shut down and decaying. And Jesus said, raise the dead. So what's diabetes? 
Diabetes is a pancreas that won't regulate all you need. You're not dead. You need a little resurrection life to get into that pancreas and cause it to do what it couldn't do. What happened when one boy took that power literally? The Bible says in Mark 5 that that woman that had an issue of blood, Jesus was not on his way to heal her. She said to herself, after 13 years, the Bible says she had been that way for going on 13 years, had spent everything she had owned on doctors and was no better. In fact, she was worse. Everybody say long continuance. I tell you, as a servant of the Most High God, every person in the sound of my voice that's battled alcoholism, drug addiction, cancer, some reoccurring physical problem, something you were born with, like the man in John 5 that had never walked for going on four decades. Every plague of long continuance operating in the life of the believer is cursed tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And instead, you receive resurrection power in Jesus' name. If you believe it, let God hear you. Let him know you believe him. Give him a mighty praise. Praise him ahead of time. One more time, shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible says when she pushed through the crowd, she grabbed the hem of his garment and immediately, one more time, say immediately. immediately. Don't let your faith get you in for the long haul. People think if something took 15, they've had something for 15 years, maybe God can get them out in seven. God created the whole world in six days. How long do you think he needs to take care of your problem? Those mountains in, in Hatcher Pass, God made those in less than a week. How long do you think he needs to reform an auditory nerve, to drive macular degeneration out of an eye, to make a hip socket strong again? Our God is able to do it tonight if you'll only believe and call on his name. Shout resurrection power. She pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. She had an internal hemorrhage of blood. And immediately, the Bible says, the hemorrhage stopped. She had spent everything she owned on doctors and was no better. In fact, she was worse. So you see, the medical community has not changed in 2,000 years. Even back then, except now it just doesn't take 13 years. To spend everything you own and be no better. In fact, they're worse. People on all kinds of medication in the body of Christ. Took one prescription drug, threw something else off, took one for that. That made your stomach upset, so you took one to help you eat. Now people have that light blue trough set out already on your living room table. S-M-T-W-T-H-F-S-A. Pre-packed with pills. Ready for another week of struggling with something that Jesus took not will take, not is taking. Jesus took all of our infirmities. Well, if he took it, it's illegal for you to have to have it. Something has to rise up in you today where you say if Jesus shed his blood and took 39 stripes for me to be well, I refuse to take this one more day. I believe Jesus took it in his body. By his stripes, I was made whole. And if I was made whole, then I am whole in Jesus' name, and I'm going home to be well. Jump up on your feet, everybody.
Let me have the band come back up. Hallelujah. Everybody shout, I believe. That Jesus took my pain. Say, Jesus took my addiction. Say this with me. It's illegal for the devil to lay on me what was already laid on Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. T.L. Osborne or not. But I can tell you a story from his crusade when he was in Kenya. There was a man who was climbing a tree in Kenya. You pick whatever praise song you started up with the fast one when I was upstairs. We're going to have a good night tonight, and the devil's going to pay the bill. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. The story's told that after that powerful crusade that Dr. Osborne had in Kenya where they had a pile of wheelchairs emptied out, there was a man in the village that never got to the crusade. He wasn't saved. His family wasn't saved. He had climbed a coconut tree and felt fallen out of the tree. And when he did, he severed his spinal cord. His mother took him to the herbalist, you know, grown man. Took him to an herbalist, witch doctor. Nobody could, could do anything for him. And so they put him in a hut on the back of the property by himself and would bring him water and food every once in a while. Give him up. Now, you know you're in bad shape when your mother puts you in a hut like that. They're just basically waiting for him to die because in Africa, where they were at, in Kenya, you know, it's hard enough to live without having a, a man that can't take care of himself that's one more mouth to feed. So his own family gave up on him, put him in that hut. They'd only run him food every once in a while. Then he had a friend that brought him a tape recorder, battery-powered with batteries, and a tape of Osborne's crusade, and said, play this, told him about the testimonies, listen to what this man says, it has power. So he has nothing to do in the hut. He's paralyzed, weak legs, severed spinal cord, and so he sits there and just listens to the tape over and over again. After listening to the tape, it starts to dawn on him, took him a few times, what Osborne preached everywhere he went, that Jesus, when he took 39 stripes, he bore all our sickness. He bore all your pain. And the devil cannot lay on you what's already been laid on Christ Jesus. Then at the end of the crusade, they started having the paralyzed people testify left and right on the tape. So finally, it dawns on the man that it's not right for my legs not to work. If what this man is saying is true, and it is, because I hear the testimonies, then there's no reason I can't walk. So, out of the bed he goes, scoots himself with his arms over to the wall, climbs up the wall, and then goes to walk and collapses to the ground. Climbs up again, goes to walk, collapses to the ground. Does it 11 more times. Injury, injuring himself worse than he was. And every time he fell to the ground, he got madder. There's sometimes it's unscriptural not to get mad. As long as the devil can keep, there's a holy anger that precedes a miracle. You say enough is enough. If Jesus did, I refuse to put up with this one more day. Matter and matter. Hurts himself worse. 
climbs up a twelfth time. And when he climbed up the twelfth time, power shot through his legs. He took steps, then began to run around the hut. Then ran out of the hut to go tell his family. When he ran to tell his family, they all took off out of the house and ran into the jungle thinking it was his ghost chasing them for mistreating him, that he had finally died and was now coming after them to curse them. So here's this man chasing him in the jungle yelling, I'm not the ghost, it's me. Jesus has healed me. And that testimony shot through Kenya. And that's why the gospel is shooting through Africa like it is. Because they didn't preach about the dream being dead. They preached about a Jesus who raises the physically dead, makes the blind to see, makes the deaf to hear, and makes the cripple walk. And he's still the same. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Bible says, Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Look at this press all around you. Jesus said, no, listen to this. Someone deliberately touched me. There are people bumping onto Jesus getting nothing. Sorry, I'm sorry to be with you. People don't know how to, how to pull on the anointing, but that's not going to be you tonight. You're going to get what you came for. Can you say Amen. He said, listen to what Jesus said. No, somebody deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power come out of me. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for faith teaching and faith preaching. It changed my life. But there comes a time where you just allow the power of God. After you've done your believing, the Bible says, believing you shall receive. You get around most charismatics, you think it would say, believing you shall believe. I'm believing. I'm believing I'm going to be healed. I'm believing. What are you believing to happen? You believing for Jesus to come back down from heaven and take 39 more stripes just for you? You believe that the work has been done, and believing that it's done, it shall be yours. You're not believing that something's going to happen. You're believing in the efficacy of the blood of Jesus that washes away all your sin, drives out all your disease, and gives you strength for your mortal body. Can you say amen? Has Jesus changed? Has Jesus changed? I want to read you what I read the kids the last night of camp or a youth convention humbling testimony when I read it at camp at a convention I couldn't read it without crying I've read it enough now that I think I can do it but it never grows old Laredo Texas right on the Rio Grand River right on the border into Mexico I was at a church the pastor and his wife were from Puerto Rico but basically all the people are from Mexico about 1800 people were there that night I laid hands on Everybody that wanted hands laid on. There was a guy there in a wheelchair. Have you seen people that have been in a wheelchair a long time and their legs get atrophied and small? Because no matter how they stretch you or move you, nothing substitutes for your own exercise. This guy was like that, sitting in a wheelchair, thin little legs, totally unresponsive. I laid hands on him. When I came back around, he didn't look any better. I laid hands on him a second time didn't look any better and I left so I don't I never hear anything nobody ever tells me anything I hardly find out about any miracles 
The last place I was at, or two places back before I came here, outside of Chicago, the last year when I was in Chicago, there was a woman on her deathbed. Now, I'm not exaggerating because the only reason I was there is the doctor said to the family, call your pastor or priest. And when the doctor says call your pastor and priest, they don't mean so you can raise them up from the dead. They mean to do whatever it is those kind of religions do. I don't know. If I go in to pray, I, I'll pray. I'll pray after they're dead. I don't say stuff in Latin and move my hands. And you say amen. So they called us in after my last night of the meetings. I went in. Here's a lady with a bacterial infection that started out in her lungs, spread through her whole body on life support now. And the doctor said, call him in. We're about to take her off life support. And so I prayed. I didn't feel anything when I prayed. I didn't feel the anointing. I didn't feel anything. I laid my hands on her and prayed in Jesus' name. I rebuked this infection. I loosed the resurrection life of God to come back in this body. I got done. I mean, you know, I wished there was something, you know, the heart started, rate started going or nothing happened. The family wasn't even impressed. Thank you for coming. You could tell they were about ready to take her off life support. So I left. That was the last I ever heard about it. Then I come back this year, two weeks ago. There was a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service. After the 9 a.m. service, I went outside to get something to drink. And as I'm walking, a lady that looks like that woman, she was laying there and she had a bandana on back in the hospital. This lady had colored hair, but she looked the same. Her hair was all grown in, nice dress. When I saw her, I said, excuse me, were you on life support last year? It's an odd question to greet someone with. She said, yeah. They told me you came in and prayed for me. She said, five days later, they took the trach out, took me off life support, signed myself out of the hospital. And she said at that time, I, not only that, I was on 18 different medications. I'm down to four, and all four are non-narcotic. She said, I want, wanted to come to the meeting. Everybody say, raise the dead. Jesus said to do that. She's good as dead. You shut that machine off, she'd have been dead in about 10 seconds. Feeding tube, oxygen. And then, it's like the Lord's just been encouraging me left and right. I got to see that woman in the flesh, have her give her testimony, film it to put it on TV, not Christian TV, Fox and ABC, so that unsafe people can see that this isn't a game. Miracles are proof that Jesus is alive. Listen, people can argue with what you believe, but only a fool argues with proof. And miracles are proof that our God is not dead. He is alive and he lives forevermore and he holds the key of death, hell, and the grave. Can you say amen? Just like Chicago, I left this kid in Texas in the wheelchair and then I get this on Facebook. Can't wait to see you again. Heard you're coming in January. Ever since you prayed for me when you came to Laredo, Texas, I've been getting better. From going from a wheelchair and being pushed everywhere on it and having to be carried to the toilet, carried to the shower, dressed by other people, and carried to the bed, to now walking without any assistance. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That doesn't happen when you preach the dream isn't dead. 
You want to preach about somebody's dream not being that fine, but don't spiritualize physical healing. I said, don't spiritualize physical healing. Jesus opened the blind man's eyes. That's like when our eyes are blinded to what God really wants us to do. And God, no, his eyes were blind, and Jesus made his physical eyes see. As long as they spiritualize it, there's never physical miracles. You have to preach it like Jesus said it. Can you say amen? amen? I'm slowly but gradually regaining the strength in my legs, and I'm walking more and more every day. God's working with my heart so I can let go of the sin in my life that doesn't please Him. I'm now also going through a healing process in my mind, heart, and body by one laying on of hands. This is, that was in January, and we're in October, and I got this October 8th. So 10 months and 4 days. I think it was January 4th when that happened. 10 months and 4 days later, God is still working on His spirit, working on His mind, and giving strength to his mortal body. By one, Paul told Timothy, he didn't say, I'm going to come back and lay hands on you again. He said, I remind you, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. The laying on of hands looses the unbridled power of God, and it's going to loosen into you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, one last time, clap those hands and shout unto the Most High God. Come on, let out a shout in here. Shout like that pastor does. Humbling testimony. Hallelujah. I'm going to print that baby out and keep it up in my bedroom. So I can read that first thing when I wake up. Right. So before I can form, I'll have the lady eating the cheeseburger. I'll have that. But just a reminder daily that my God is a miracle working God. And he doesn't do them sovereignly or randomly. He does it in response to violent faith. Faith that says enough is enough. Hallelujah. Now whether you fall over or not tonight really makes no difference because that kid in the wheelchair didn't fall over. There was no physical sign with the one. There was no physical sign with the other. But the laying on of hands always works. Because Mark chapter 6 says, and Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, except to lay his hands on the sick. The laying on of hands always works. I want to tell you one more about the laying on of hands. Stay on your feet. It'll help your calf muscles and thighs to get to stay strong. Hallelujah. You can give me five. I knew you'd enjoy it. Where I'm going to preach uh, two weeks from now, outside of Boston. This guy, this guy's name's Dexter, the radiologist. I don't know his last name, so I call him Dexter, the radiologist. His girlfriend got saved. She invited him to the meeting the last night. He sat in the back with his arms crossed like a good New Englander with a stern look on his face. And then I did something that night that I had never done before, but I've been doing a lot since. I had everybody go out into the parking lot and line up to lay hands on him because the meeting was so packed 
that there was no room to do it. So I don't like them bunching all, all up at the altar because you can't get to everybody. Plus, I thought it would be good for all those New Englanders to see Pentecostals lined up, getting healed and filled with the Holy Ghost because the church was right by the street. Now, I don't know any of this about Dexter. I'd given an invitation to get saved. He never came. But for some reason, if he wanted to stay unsaved, he made a big mistake. He went in the lineup to get hands laid on him, unsaved. So what happens if you lay hands on somebody to receive the Holy Ghost and they're not saved? Brother Shambach always said they would blow up. But I'm glad he was wrong. Dexter would be dead. I'll tell you what happened to him. Not knowing who he was or what his situation was. I laid my hands on it. My hands are holy. That guy said it was like your hands were made out of fire. And when you laid hands on me, fire shot through my legs. My hands aren't made out of fire. They're made out of generic white skin. But somebody lives on the inside of me. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, somebody lives on the inside of me. Don't you ever forget it. Say, somebody lives on the inside of me. Say, it's no longer I that lives. Say, Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. I laid hands on Dexter and went down the line. He didn't fall under the power. I think he had his hands in his pockets. You know, a lot of times when people grow up Catholic like he did, he probably didn't even want hands laid on him, but you do what you're told. So when I said, everybody go outside and line, no, he went out. Then I'm preaching in Montreal, Quebec, five weeks later. And I do a daytime service and a night service. The daytime service, Dexter's sitting there in Montreal, seven hours away, across an international border. I don't know his name or anything, but I recognized his face. I said, were you in the Massachusetts meeting? He said, yeah. I said, forgive my asking, what are you doing in Quebec? He said, after you laid hands on me that night, I couldn't sleep. The words that you preach kept going through my head over and over again about Jesus and getting saved. So I looked you up online and I watched every one of your preaching videos, which at the time was 90. And he said, this morning, this is one of the ways, I mean, I can prove it from Bible prophecy, but these are reasons I know Jesus is coming soon. He said, I got woken up at four this morning. And he said, I felt God speak to me. Find where he is and go there today. He said, so here I am. I gave an invitation to get saved. He got saved. He stayed that night and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then drove seven hours back seven hours one way across a border then seven hours back to go to work the next day because something just like a fire was loosed in that kid's legs and that woman's bacteria filled body it got loosed into Dexter's spirit hallelujah and God did a turnaround starting that day and in five weeks he was all the way this man right here if you would step right out into the aisle in the nice green shirt did I pray for you today sorry I like you so much Lift both your hands. Power of God's all over you. Be the first to receive tonight. 
I lay my hands on you, and as I do, I lose fresh oil, fresh fire. In Jesus' name, more, more, and more. And be healed in your body and strengthened by the Most High God. Father, bless him. Let all the things I prophesied this morning come into quick effect. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for it and give you praise. Can you say amen? amen. This is what I want tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Knowing that Jesus is coming soon. Knowing that these things that are happening in the Middle East and Russia going to take ground again, just like the Bible said would happen. I'll put a hook in your jaw, Gog and Magog, and I'll lead you out to gather among yourself. Crimea, all those regions around the Black Sea. It's all Ezekiel 38, 1 to 6. And then a few verses later is Armageddon. There's, there's motion in progress that's not going to re rearrange. Moses never prayed that the flood wouldn't come. You warn people to get on the ark and get out. That's what the rapture is. We're not hanging around to go through this stuff, building bomb shelters and getting ready to ward off the military. We're not digging a hole in the ground. We're looking for one in the sky to go up and meet our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and get out of this place. But before we do, there are those that aren't right with God that comes to, come to meetings like this, like Dexter. He looked like everybody else, but he wasn't saved. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I want you to ask yourself this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you publicly made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, repented of sin, received Christ into your heart? Can you identify a specific time where you've done that. If not, I want you to do it tonight with me. Get your sins forgiven. Get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and be born again. Then secondly, if you're here and you once did that, but you've since slipped away, you allowed the pressures of life to get between you and God, to pull you off the path of life. But tonight you know is your night to come back home. You say, Jesus, I'm coming back now. I'm never going to turn back. I refuse to go to the left or the right. I'm going to live out the remainder of my days on fire for you, living free from sin. I'm not going to get tripped up anymore. Tonight, I'm going to give you my life. Then I'm going to get filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to live a new life in Jesus' name by your resurrection power. If that's you, and you fall into either of those two groups, I'm going to pray with you. I want you to put your hand up high right now. In Jesus' name, I see your hands. Keep them up. I see your hands. God bless you. Very quickly, I want everybody that lifted a hand to come and join me at the altar right now. We're going to pray. Come on. If you meant business with God, come now. Clap for them as they come. The hands that clap for souls will never be empty. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. That's everybody that lifted a hand. I wanted to ask you on the way in. You're not from New England, are you? Just have the Red Sox shirt. My wife's from Boston, so your Red Sox shirt caught my eye. Lift your hands. Power of God's all over you, man. In the name of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you what I know in my spirit. When you 
started out doing what you're doing now in Alaska, the enemy had a plan for it to take you down a wild life, living away from God, but it's like God's spirit got a hold of you and you said, no, this way leads to death. I'm not going to live like this. I'm not following this road all the way to the end. I'm going to turn around and make Jesus my Lord. And tonight, God's going to rescue you. I tell you, now you can't prove it one way or the other, but I'm going to tell you as a servant of God, you would have died very young if you'd have stayed down the path that you were on hanging out with the guys you were hanging out with. But now God's rescued you and you're going to live a long, good life on the earth. That's a fact. I feel like there was even something that happened where you had a close call and thought, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to last too long. And you smartened up and came back to Jesus and now watch what he does. When I lay my hands on you, I loose God's power into you to make you a new person. things for God. The devil's not going to take your life. You're going to live a long, good one in Jesus' name as you stick close to him. I want all of you that came forward to lift both your hands to the Lord. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to say it from the bottom of your heart. God hears this prayer. Nothing's ever the same after you pray this. It's the most powerful prayer in the world. Say this, dear Heavenly Father. I like how you pray real loud here. You don't mumble like in Eastern Canada. Say, I've come forward today to give you my life. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I know that you're coming soon. So I give you my life. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my King. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Everywhere I was weak, give me your overflowing strength. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father, heaven is my home, and I will not turn back. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let me lay my hands on you, Father. I thank you for these. Thank you for the power you give them right now. To live a life of godliness in Jesus' name. I lose a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and fire in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done. Thank you for ransoming them. Thank you for bringing them back to yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that old things are passed away. I thank you that all things become new. In the, there it is. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that the chains are gone, that everything's different now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want all you to stay here. This is what I want. I want everybody who wants hands laid on them. Tempted to go to the parking lot. Because <laughs> I don't know where I'd put everybody. I'll have you line around the perimeter of not only the sanctuary, also the lobby. And so if you have a purse, take it with you. 
because some dishonest people sneak in the church from time to time. And I want everybody that wants hands laid on them on this final night before I go back to the lower 48. I want to lay my hands on you and loose the gift of God. So here's what we'll do. Everybody in this section, line up around this wall and on the sides of the chairs all the way to that back corner. Everybody in this section, you can come forward to the altar. You guys stay here and press in and go right around, right across the front in Jesus' name. I'm going to have this far section make your way to the lobby and go around the wall out in the lobby in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to have this middle section fill in this side and then up that row of chairs. Go as quick as you can. Go ahead and sing as they're lining up. Don't start talking with people. Shut yourself in with God. Get ready for a divine encounter that'll change your life forever. Don't get behind anybody. Single file all the way around. Come right to the front, right up, right up to the altar. As close as you can. Go ahead and sing that now. When the Spirit of the Lord is there, is freedom. Now once you're lined up, lift your hands and get ready for a an encounter with God. That you're lined up. This, this is not something we do for fun or to touch you or to agree with you. The Bible says, all through the Bible, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. The Bible says they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 8. Then the Bible says they laid their hands on the sick and the sick recovered. So everything that's resident in the Holy Ghost, power, spirit baptism healing gifts they come this way whatever you're desiring i want you to lift both hands to god right now first of all in the name of jesus i take authority over every unclean sickness and disease every working of hell assigned to anybody here keep your hands lifted that's the power of god Whether it's in your organs, your central nervous system, your spine, your bones, your joints, your pancreas, your eyes, your ears, by the laying on of hands, in Jesus' name, I command you to be healed now in the name of Jesus Christ. By that same name of Jesus, I lose the gifts of the Spirit for this to be like a catalyst, for them to operate in strength, for the gift of faith to fill their being, for there to be strange and unusual testimonies. After this laying on of hands, 
that you'll never be the same. I command dull minds to become sharp minds in Jesus' name. The learning disabled to become top in their class by the mind of Christ. Physical, tangible, real testimonies in the name of Jesus. I curse heroin addiction. I curse meth addiction. I curse prescription painkiller addiction, alcoholism, anger, every foul working of the devil and of sin. I command it to be burnt out of your life now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you've given us power and you instructed us as your ministers to heal the sick and to share these gifts freely so that they can be empowered to win in the battles of life. In Jesus' name, everybody say this, Father, I thank you that tonight the hand of Jesus touches me. Everything that's not of Christ leaves my life. Everything that's of God, I open myself. I receive it tonight in Jesus' name. The band's going to play. I want you to close your eyes, lift your hands, and when I lay my hands on you, receive the fire of God in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Thank you for my... In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name... In the name of Jesus. In the name... There it is. Use them mightily. In the neck, Roko, Rikista Bo, Branga, Roko, Sto, Bibanda, Roko, yeah, thank you. Thank you for their life. Rondo, Robi, Roko, Reka, Igasta, Indiana, Mokuro, Tostida, Rimbanda, Roko, Steba, Braka, Agandiana, Mokuro, Tostida. Rindiana Mokuroto Igana Rotoste In Jesus' name. Bondo Rokosto. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Now is the time. Now is the time for freedom. Jesus name. Bando Rotosto. Gindi. They bought every bone prop. They banda rope. Be free in the name of Jesus. I declare an end to every struggle represented here tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I declare an end to all your struggles. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Fresh breakthroughs in Jesus' name. Banda Rocosto. In the name of Jesus Christ. Bataraco Stoposto. Iganda Roposte da Banda Rocostaba. Di Banda Rotoste de Iganda Roto. 
In the name of Jesus, use them mightily. In the name of Jesus Christ. shout you've ever given anybody right now. Hallelujah. There you go. You'll never be the same. This is Psalm 126. The Bible says, when the Lord restored his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream, and we were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the heathen said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears, those who plant in tears, will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they plant their seed, but they sing as they return with their harvest. Lift your hands all over this place. From now until December, you are forbidden to cry any tears of sorrow. For the next three months, the only tears you cry are tears of joy, saying the Lord has done great things for us. That is your portion in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout hallelujah one more time. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands one more time. Say, I'm changed. Tonight I received the life of God into my body, into my spirit, into my mind. I can do all things 
not most things, all things, through the strength of Christ that is not in heaven. It lives in me and empowers me to be the head and not the tail. Above always and beneath never. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands one more time unto God. Come on, give him a mighty hand clap. In Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? Before you go back to your seats, since this is the last time I'm going to be with you, I want you to pay attention to this. Don't go back to your seats quite yet. If you enjoyed the preaching, my website has a bunch of free videos on it, free podcasts, revivaltoday.cc. And on Facebook and Twitter, you can find me on there. The links will be on, on the website as well. Stay in touch and watch what God does all over the country. It'll do something for your faith. Can you say amen? Thank you for welcoming me into your state. I'll never forget you because it's the first church I've ever preached at in Alaska. Just let me do this before I leave. God bless you, Alaska. Great state, great people. Amen. You're not leaving here with a little touch. You're leaving here with an overflow of power to destroy every work of the devil that you come in contact with in Jesus' name. Your pastor's wife's going to receive an offering for us. When you go back to your seat, I just want you to be very diligent to listen to the voice of God as to what he'd have you to give. We're taking the entire state of Pennsylvania on Fox and ABC, and uh, there's no check you could write that would be too large. So I want to thank you in advance for what you give. Thank you for having me to your church. I will see you again, if not in Alaska, I'll see you in the New Jerusalem. God bless everyone in Jesus' name. Give Christ another hand clap. Welcome your pastor. All right. We're going to take a love offering right now. Ushers, would you come? You can just begin to make your way. If you want to sow seed into this ministry, lift your hands up. I encourage you today. You will be blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that's gone forth with power. I thank you for your healing tonight. I thank you that as the days and weeks go forth, we're going to continue to hear testimonies of healing and breakthroughs. And Lord, I pray you just bless your people. I thank you for using the Shuttlesworth family, God, all over the nations. Thank you for blessing them. Thank you for sending them here. I just pray you'd bless them continually. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. Turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep it, and I'm shouting, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep it, and I'm shouting.
let's just stand to our feet as we close tonight. Thank you so much for coming. May God bless you all. Let's just take hands with somebody. Ushers are still coming, so don't be shy. You can flag them down. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you for your people. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. You would keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen and amen. God bless you.